0: Welcome to this edition of Maine The Way Life Could Be. I'm Amy Brown. And I'm Jim Campbell.
1: At the outset of this series, we invited anyone interested to participate in a Zoom call to help us gather information on what folks saw as major challenges facing Maine people in the lifetime of those alive today.
0: Before we wrap up this year-long series next month, we wanted to check in with more Mainers under 40 to get their perspectives on the issues we've been discussing, given that they will potentially be dealing with them in one way or another for the foreseeable future. Here are some of what they shared in their
2: conversations with us. My name is Derek Cole, and I am 34. I am the director of Main Street Bucksport, an affiliate with the National Main Street Program, as well as uh, locally in the state of Maine, MDF. And I have lived in Maine my entire life. I grew up in Ellsworth and then spent a very brief amount of time down in Portland, had children, and decided that we ought to move back home and ended up in Bucksport, where my partner grew up.
3: My name is Pepin Middlehauser. I am a lifelong Maine resident. Uh, I was born in Goldsboro, lived there for most of my life, and then went to College of the Atlantic in Bar Harbor for school. I'm the digital media manager at WERU and also farmer, gardener, musician, singer, performer, As you look forward over,
1: say, the next two decades, what do you consider the biggest challenge that's facing you in your future life here in Maine?
2: I feel like there are a lot of of challenges facing 30-something-year-olds and younger. And I believe a lot of those problems may not be unique to Maine, but We definitely have a unique experience as young people living in Maine. One of my biggest concerns is not actually for myself, but for other people, and that is housing. I was fortunate enough to start a good career early on in life. I'm a licensed insurance agent, no longer working in the field, and I was able to make a very good living for myself and just happened to find my house right after the mill in Bucksport closed and the market was a little volatile. People were concerned in our town that folks would be moving away, that it'd become a ghost town. And uh, the, the housing market, the prices began to reflect that. So I got lucky. My living situation is fantastic. I look at my friends, I look at just people my age with young families or even single and look at the prices of rent and now looking at the prices of homes and I do not understand how they can pull it off financially. Like I said, I got lucky comparing what my mortgage is compared to what someone else's rent cost or their mortgage costs would be is frightening for me. And I really am concerned that that is gonna be one of the biggest struggles for people our age to get a solid foundation on their feet, get a home, get comfortable where they're living. And without that stability, I do not really see how a lot of folks can can move forward.
3: Yeah, I definitely have to agree on a lot of those fronts. As a young person, there's a lot of stuff to come up against to overcome, and housing is a big, big one of them. I think I did a count at one point over the the four, four and a half years that I attended college, I went a little bit over, I lived in, I think it was something like 22 different individual spaces, renting different individual spaces on and off campus. The moving was constant packing up and moving my life from space to space. And after college, trying to find anywhere that was a rentable space that I could afford that was year round was basically impossible. The one space I did find recently and had a year long lease in just about crippled me financially. I'm living at my parents' house now because of that, You know, for a variety of reasons, but a primary thing is the housing and rent situation being so astronomically not viable for someone in my position climate change and the
1: effects of climate change is that something that's on your personal radar
3: yeah absolutely say more yeah (laughs) well yeah it's absolutely on my radar it it's strange being in Maine and being in a temperate zone like Maine, because very obvious geographical reasons were not as impacted as a lot of other spaces in the world with climate change. We're still impacted heavily, but not as severely. For me, it's a tricky balance of making sure that it's at the forefront of my mind and an important thing to be considering and taking action in. While it feels like there are a lot of other stuff that can be more pressing, like housing, like finding a, a job that I enjoy that pays well in a, in a relatively remote place like Maine, it's a tricky balance for me. <laughs> I mean, that's really the thing that it comes down to, you know, the world becoming such an, in- an inhabitable place over, over the course of time. That's kind of is the most important thing in the long term. And keeping that in, in the right frame in the short term is tricky for me sometimes.
2: I would agree with what you said, Pepin. You used very good words on (laughs) on that, words that I don't don't have. My perspective with the climate change, I don't even want to say issue, the, the reality of climate change is that I'm not prepared for potentially what could happen. I believe in science. I believe what is said could happen. Can happen. I'm not a denier at all. I do what I can in my personal life to recycle, to not add to the problem, but I still have to live my life. I still have to go home and put my kids to bed. I still have to heat my home. I still want to go and see a movie. I'm not ready to, to move because of climate. I feel lucky enough to be in Maine where I don't think I need to move anytime soon. Some of my biggest concerns regarding climate change are a migration to Maine. What are we gonna do when the population of Maine increases? Uh, In the past three to four years, I could name a dozen people that I've met that have moved here from California, from New York City, name it, name a place. I think we all know someone that has moved here at this point and climate change has been one of their reason. That scares me, not because I don't want people to move here. I want people to move here. I love meeting new people. I love what people from out of state bring to our state. But what are we gonna do with a crumbling infrastructure? What are we gonna do if the climate change reality big events start to occur? What what are we going to do with a growing population? That's, I think, one of the biggest impacts that we're going to feel as a state. I feel like that's top of mind for me.
1: Let's try another topic that we did a program on. You already mentioned
3: affordable housing as a major concern. What about affordable health care? I can definitely to the importance of that. That's another one that's uh, similar to climate change in my eyes of a tricky balance as a young person. I'm aware of the importance of being a part of the healthcare system as a young, mostly healthy person. And at the same time, also, uh, I've had a lot of young people very near and dear to me who have had some pretty severe health issues and have not had access to the proper healthcare that they have needed. Personally, that, that's been something that's been pretty important to me. I've been an advocate and activist around single payer healthcare nationwide for as long as I've been able to vote. I've had various experiences with healthcare from various sources. It's a funny thing to say, but most recently I've been lucky enough to be poor enough where I can get on Main Care, which has been a huge help. They cover a lot more than any other healthcare that I've been on. And before that, I was able to get healthcare through the marketplace. And that was an absolutely terrible experience. I was on the phone every other week for hours with the healthcare company, trying to get them to cover things that they said they would cover and had changed their mind on.
1: Derek, you mentioned that you have children. Are you feeling that you have coverage that's sufficient for your family's needs?
2: Healthcare coverage is very difficult. I have personally been on both ends of this, where I have not made enough money to afford my insurance and have been able to access main care for myself, my partner, and my two children. I feel as though main care is excellent insurance coverage. I feel as though there is a level of comfort for those that are on main care because it is such broad coverage. Our taxes are paying for it. On the other end, when you do press over that income bracket, which isn't much, and you get into the world of having to go through your employer or having to go through the, the open market for your insurance coverage, that's when the numbers can get scary. I was fortunate enough through a lot of my adult life to have insurance provided by my employer, which is very rare nowadays. As great as that was, there were moments where my partner went uninsured because adding her to my policy would have sucked up a quarter of my paycheck every week. That often wasn't doable. I do feel like we have a pretty decent level of care in the state of Maine. I feel fortunate that I don't know a lot of people who just have had to go without care because there hasn't been a doctor or a facility to provide the care. It always comes down to problems with insurance cost and insurance coverage, the lack thereof, and then you're faced with bills.
1: Pepin, you mentioned that you are a gardener. One of the things that climate change might affect is agriculture in Maine or home gardens in Maine. What do you think about that as you look forward to the prospect of continuing to grow whatever you grow and finding ways to do that? As you look forward, are you seeing it might be more difficult
3: to to do that? In my time that I was farming and gardening as a job, uh, right out of college for three years, I think it was. I noticed a change just over that time. You know, during college, I was doing it as a work study position too. Over that time, there was a change that I that was noticeable in the amount that we had to deal with pests, deal with various diseases and funguses, watering more, increasing our irrigation system, and then one summer I remember we ran the the well dry, which had never happened before on that farm that I was working at. And we had to deal with that. There was noticeable changes happening that were very apparent. PFAS is, is a big one. I mean, I have a lot of friends, good friends who f- were farming full-time, who are not farming at all anymore, and completely having to change their livelihoods. young people, not much older than I am. That is definitely a concern because in my thinking forward of finding a home, finding a place where I can put down roots. And having a farm, having a garden, that's going to have to be a big concern. It's it's that much more to think about when finding a place to do, you know, PFAS tests to see how much is in the soil, because there's no place, as studies are seeming to show, there's no place where PFAS does not exist. But finding a place where it it feels safe enough, you know, measuring the risks is just going to be another thing to consider.
1: You both mentioned that you have already had several jobs. What do you think about that part of life for yourselves? Are you looking for some particular type of work? And if so, do you think it's going to be available for you here in Maine in the next 10 or 20 years? Maine used to be paper and potatoes and lobsters, not so much anymore. So what is Maine going to be, what's it going to be able to offer you in terms of work that, as one of you said, is something you'd like to do and that pays decently? What's the world look like at the moment to you if you look forward with that perspective?
2: I thought I had it all figured out. I got into insurance right out of college. I think I was 20 years old and Started sitting at a desk, got my insurance license and got to work on a career that I thought that I was going to be in for the rest of my life. Insurance is boring, but I really enjoyed working with people and felt as though that I was contributing to society when I could help someone through the process of getting insurance or the process of dealing with an insurance company when they have a life-changing event like a house fire. I really felt as though in some way I was contributing to society by not just being a salesperson, but actually caring about my customers. And I really felt that insurance was going to be my career. Unfortunately, when COVID hit, my employment situation changed. I found myself without a job, with the extra free time and the craving to be back out in society and in community, began really focusing on what I could do locally in Bucksport. That's when I got involved with helping to organize Bucksport Pride, some other social movements in town as well. That ultimately led to other community organizations starting to hear about this young person named Derek Cole, led to offers beyond boards. I'm a trustee at our our local library, and I probably haven't read a book since college. (laughs) 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 But they appreciated something in me. And that was a really big boost in my confidence to see that, wow, I started doing this community work, wanting to not only help people in my community, but also to just have some fun in my community and liven things up. And it led to these offers. And now I am the director of Main Street Bucksport profit, focusing on revitalizing Main Street in town and just making it a more vibrant, busy place. And I am ecstatic about my job. I I love it. But the reality of it is I can't survive off of this work alone. I'm going to need to find other sources of income if I plan to continue this job for years to come. And that's a really sad thing. As far as other people's situations, I I just know so many people that are in their mid-30s and are just struggling to find careers that were as lucrative or just as solid as their parents and their grandparents. You mentioned factories, you mentioned potatoes, you mentioned uh, lobster fishing. For some reason, I feel as though 30 and 20 year olds and maybe even 40 year olds in the state of Maine have this experience where we're still called kids. We're still treated as though we're not quite ready to be, in a position of management, in a position of going out on our own and doing things, or you know, maybe someone's working for the family company and they're just waiting and waiting for the parents to retire and hand off the reins. I feel like that's not happening for us as mm. early as it may have happened for other generation. Because of that, we can't afford the houses, (laughs) we can't afford groceries, we can't afford health insurance coverage. I think the labor market is very unique. I hope that some people listening to this will will hear this and laugh or hear this and change their mind. We want to work. We're not collecting unemployment. We're here. Give us good jobs. We want them.
3: I mean, to kind of jump off of that a little bit too, one thing I did just want to say quickly was yeah, the sort of, you know, labor market that I want to go into is very vaguely community work, which I think is what Derek was saying too, you know, the the people, the community, and that is actively and is going to continue to be more and more important as time goes on with everything going on. Community is one of the most important things. And I don't know if I'll stick to the same exact job in 10 years. I don't know if I'll be in the same position, but but that need is always there. The problem is, will that Actually, give me me the ability to to live. (laughs) So yeah, I basically agree with everything Derek just said. (laughs) I did have one thing I wanted to say. You know, I'm I'm 26 right now. I'm I'm getting to the stage in my life where I'm trying to figure out where I'm going, what I'm doing, where I'm, you know, as I've been saying, where I'm putting my roots down. And something I've come back to a few times over the years is starting a family and how that works with everything going on in the world, with climate change being such a huge problem for younger generations because we have to live through so much more of the impacts of it and how I can really justify having a family with my partner in a world like this. I was talking to someone a little while ago and talking about this issue and they're like yeah that's really valid but the thing I took away from that conversation was their, their reasoning for having a family was as soon as you stop having children having these communities, having these families continue forward, you're losing hope. That's what they symbolize. You're saying, I'm, I'm giving up on this world and this situation that we're in. I'm going to give up on it. And I'm not going to keep working towards something that's better. And that's really what I've taken forward. How can I justify not having a family in this sort of world, having something that I'm going to fight for and work for and work towards having a better world for?
2: In my situation that there wasn't a lot of thought process in starting a family, it happened and it's a beautiful thing. And I agree with the the hope portion of this, but I also want to say that I 100% support anyone's decision to have dogs instead of children, to be single, to... Not be single, to have four partners. I don't care. You make the decision that's right for you. If kids are the correct decision, then I say make that decision to have children, to adopt, whatever, to foster. I feel as though we're at a point where, unfortunately, unless a huge portion of our population made the decision together to maybe cut it back, maybe not have children because of the situation that we're looking at, that we wouldn't see any major effect. Again, I 100% support anyone's opinion behind that, though. I understand it. For me, though, I am so happy to have children. It is a great experience. It's a hard experience. I'm very concerned about what I'm going to be leaving behind for them. Based off of the trends, I already feel like we're in that position as young Mainers, and what is that going to look like for them? I really hope that I can just raise resilient, loving, caring people that can figure it out uh, no matter what it looks like for them, and that they can continue on and be loving people and survive in whatever way they need to and live good.
1: You're listening to Maine, the way life could be, here on Community Radio, W E R U F M.
0: What keeps you in Maine despite all of the struggles? What keeps you going with your plans or what makes you persist in your quest to continue to live here and do what you want to do?
2: A lot of things keep me in Maine. One of the big reasons, something that my partner and I say often, We hop in the car. We have lakes in every direction. We have hills to climb in every direction, woods to explore, the ocean. People pay a lot of money to come to Maine and stay for a weekend, a week, the summer. We're so lucky to just live here. (laughs) And that is one of the biggest things that keeps me here is just being able to recognize that my surroundings are so beautiful. The possibilities are endless. Another reason is our small rural Maine communities and our small cities are often filled with awesome people. Whether I agree with them politically or not doesn't necessarily matter. We all struggle through the Maine winter together. We all struggle through the tourist season. We all can relate to each other and find common ground. Go to the church breakfast, whether we go to church or not. <laughs> it's, there's good food. I just really like the community aspect of Maine, being able to be almost anywhere in Maine and find someone who, who knows someone that I know or might, might even be related to them. It's, it's a, a really really cool thing that we're so small and so connected, uh, even when we don't realize that we're connected.
3: I'm not sure if I could add anything more to that, honestly. I feel exactly the same way. Yeah, the small, tight communities, the small, tight, caring communities of Maine. I definitely, for a long period of time, didn't see much outside of Maine. And then I finally did. And I was like, well, this place is nice, but wow, Maine is beautiful, you know, (laughs) comparatively. (laughs) There is some amount of it's all I've ever known is living in Maine. And so there's, you know, it's in my blood. There's a fondness in my heart that I'll never get rid of. But yeah, I've also never found anywhere else that that speaks to me the same way Maine does in so many ways.
4: I'm Eileen Moscoso. I live in Swanville and I've lived in the Midcoast area for about four years. I am newly 30 (laughs) as of September. And I have a couple of jobs, both part-time, one in a preschool and one at a restaurant.
1: If you were looking forward over the next decade or two, assuming that you're going to be in Maine for all or part of that time, what would you see as the biggest challenges that you're likely to run into in that time period?
4: I think about this all the time because I'm planning on leaving for the winter. And so really thinking about where I want to be and what makes sense and what's going to be Sustainable long term. And one of the biggest questions for me is is employment here, obviously, which I currently have, but I would like to own my own business, which feels less and less feasible as the market is getting more difficult to to buy. And I'm also moving around a lot. And so I I don't often have really long term employment in order to get a loan because I'm like, I'm going to go to Ecuador for the winter. I'm going to go, you know hopping around doing things. So that feels like a big barrier and something that I will have to figure out in some way in the next five years, probably.
1: We began this series by inviting people to call in, and I think probably 30 of them did on a Zoom conversation and to answer the same question we just asked you. What, what do you think are the biggest challenges? We have then done a program on each of those topics. This will be the 10th program in the series. And one of the very big things that was identified by a lot of people, we did two programs on it, is climate change. Is that something that is on your mind at all?
4: It is, I'm not an aquaculture or anything like that. And so it does not feel like an impediment in my life in that way, like in my employment. It feels like a big deal in my life, just like it is in everyone's life because I'm living on earth. It doesn't feel as pressing, I think, as it might for other people whose employment and livelihood is really connected to the seasons and the tides and things like that.
1: One of the other topics that a lot of people were concerned about with your moving around situation, it may or may not be one for you, but is affordable health care.
4: Definitely. I was fortunate to work at a federally funded nonprofit for a while here. And that was the only time I've had employer-provided health care, and it was great. Other than that, I don't have health care because I, I can't pay for it, or I'm not interested in it. And I, I think, like, I'm not going to get hurt, <laughs> uh, which is foolish, obviously. But I did see all of these listed on your, I did check out the WA page. These topics have been talked about. And one thing I would like to add is more of immediate an immediate concern for me and for young single folks I know around here is dating is incredibly hard here. There are not a lot of single people. There's not a lot of young people in general. And that, you know, more and more feels like an impediment to being here. You want to date people, you want to have romance in your life. And if that's not an option, that's, it's hard.
1: That had not come up before, but uh, (laughs) even, even for people who are over 30, that's an issue. How about the availability of water, for example, and the quality of water. We've heard a lot about PFOS yeah. lately, for example. Is that something that concerns you?
4: I live in a house with a friend, a house that she owns. I'm very lucky to not have exorbitant rent prices because I live with a friend. So that's kind of one of the issues that a lot of people face here, finding housing and having really high rent. We do have water issues. Like we'll run out of water in our well sometimes. We've only been in the house for about two years, but we have run out of water several days <laughs> um, and just been waiting. Like you know, hope, hope it rains soon. And the PFAS stuff, well, yeah, felt relevant. I I did work for a um, Northern Tilth uh, in Belfast for a brief period, and we did soil sampling and PFAS sampling, and so that world was somewhat familiar to me. So I think maybe not as shocking as. To other people, you know, when when all the farms were coming back with positive results for PFAS. In my world, anyway, that felt really prevalent for a minute. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone's really concerned and really worried about the farmers and how they were going to continue their livelihood of farming if their land is all contaminated. In my world, anyway, it's kind of blown over and, and it's not as much of a conversation at this point.
1: Do you think that will affect our ability to eat?
4: It doesn't seem like it has so far. And I think I've been more in the camp of, well, it's been there this whole time. You know, it didn't just arrive. I I didn't feel as concerned like, oh, I I can't eat the food from those farms anymore. You know, I'm like, well, it's already in my system. I've been eating their produce for years. So we're going to have to live with the consequences of whatever that may be.
1: You mentioned that for yourself, employment is an issue for you. If you are contemplating possibly having a business down the road or something like that, I imagine unless you're going to be a travel agent, that you are probably going to be in one place a lot of the year. In looking forward and thinking about having a business or going in with someone for a business or whatever it may be, what do you think the prospects are economically in Maine?
4: I would be interested to have a business probably with a friend. And ideally the dream would be to be in Maine most of the year to make it profitable enough so that I can sustain a life here. And then also be abroad for a couple of months of the year in the winter months, obviously. And the big hurdle there is finding a place to purchase or rent a space, but I do think that it would be possible. I, there's definitely space for good food in the Midcoast area. And I'm interested in doing kind of a joint business, these multifaceted things. And I'm also interested in doing a kind of a dance studio in addition to that in the same space, uh, which I think are, are feasible options here.
1: One of the things that you mentioned is the difficulty in dating because there's not as many young people, at least single young people as there might be. When you look around at Maine, which is, of course, the oldest state in the Union, how does that strike you? Do you feel out of place? Or do you feel like you're the future?
4: Hmm. Ah, good question. It definitely feels like home here now. It did not for a long time. I was pretty resistant to, to being here. I, it wasn't, I wasn't planning on living here long term. I was planning on visiting my sister who's lived here for a long time and then leaving and somehow have ended up here for four years. And at this point, it feels I feel really integrated in the community and it feels like home. And I don't want to be surrounded only by young people. If I go to a city, I'm I'm like, oh, wow, there's so much more diversity for one. And just happening, events. Oh, there's a million things I could do on any given night. I could go out dancing, or I could go eat this kind of food, or I could go to an art event.
1: Just out of curiosity, do you find that you go to more or go to fewer things here than in other places?
4: The flip side of that is that because there are so few things happening, sort of everyone goes to the same things. And that is a nice aspect But it it is often like in Camden or Rockland, uh, which is a drive for us. And it does feel like the people that I know in those areas, they don't come to Belfast or to Swanville for (laughs) events. You know, we're going to them. If people are out, they're going to be at this event today. You know, I'm going to see all the people that I might want to run into if I go to this thing, which is nice.
1: Are there other things besides dating that we haven't mentioned that you think are large As you look forward to whatever your plans are,
4: I think that we've touched on most of them, you know, finding long term, sustainable, enjoyable employment, which for me would be owning something myself. Obviously, the wee daylight hours of winter (laughs) are really hard. You know, even now I'm like, oh gosh, it's six o'clock and it's dark. That's hard mental health wise and i think everyone i know agrees you know everyone in winter deals with some level of depression here <laughs> everyone who's in my circle and the lack of diversity is hard in all of the ways and and to speak to climate change since i've been in maine for 4 years i have been kind of repeatedly unimpressed with winter here thinking like i'm getting myself into this really serious climate and there's going to be so much snow it's going to be really intense and it hasn't been <laughs> and that is hard in that when there's not snow you can't recreate outside in the winter and that feels really hard to not be able to engage with the outdoors for 3 months it's not snowing as much and if it's not snowing you can't do fun things outside it's just kind of miserable
0: it sounds like you're you came because of family you didn't plan to be you know in this area that long have you found is it still primarily family that keeps you here? If you're not feeling positive at all right now about the place, and I completely can relate, especially to the winter stuff, that's fine too. But if there's anything like a kernel of something positive, does anything come to mind like that? I don't mean to
4: sound totally negative about it. I do love living here in a lot of ways. It's an active choice that I'm making at this point to be here. I have my sister and her kiddo who I'm very close with and, and really enjoy being proximity-wise, really close to them. At this point, I have a really great community of friends and people who are really supportive and awesome in my life. And also, it's so beautiful here. I love the proximity to nature. Like, I can go out in the backyard and be in the woods for however long I want, or go to Western Maine or the Bold Coast and go hiking and camping. A huge factor for me is being able to be outside and that there's so much water around I love that as well, and that there's a lot of work in water culture, lots of boating expertise around, which is not related to me, but I find really interesting, and and I appreciate that about the Belfast area, and always kind of see that as, you know, one of the dreamier aspects of living here, of like, I could get a sailboat one day.
0: Is there anything else that you feel like is an important topic for people your age right now? The big thing in my circle with, like,
4: knowing single young people is dating and finding a partner or finding just someone to date. That feels huge in in my groups. And finding friends is hard. Being here for four years, I I have a really solid crew, but it's it's not as robust as it could be if I were in a city. And so those friends become really crucial. Me leaving for the winter, I know is going to impact all of my friends in a bigger way than it would if they had a couple more friends, (laughs) you know.
5: This, this social aspect for me.
1: You're listening to Maine, the way life could be here on Community Radio WERU FM.
5: So my name is Sophie Davis and I live in Rockland. I was born in Waldoboro and lived in Maine through high school um, and returned back about 4 years ago. I'm 28 years old and I am a violinist and violin teacher. And I also uh, run the nonprofit Halcyon, which is a performance collective that creates uh, multimedia shows that raise awareness of climate change and the challenges and opportunities facing our communities in Maine.
1: As you look forward in your own life, what do you think are the biggest challenges that face you living in Maine and presumably if you keep living in Maine?
5: The thing that I think of as the biggest challenge kind of facing all of humanity is definitely climate change. But when I think about a challenge facing me living in Maine, climate change informs the challenges. But I, I think honestly, we are incredibly lucky to be living, or I feel very lucky to be living in Maine in terms of dealing with climate change just because we're in a state that has a lot of land, has a lot of places for people to go. Um, the climate's pretty moderate. So I think. The biggest challenge is going to be dealing with the kind of urban-rural divide and the polarization that can result from chaos elsewhere in the world. I think of, of Maine as a place where I'm guessing a lot of people are going to want to come. It's a beautiful place to live. There is place for people to live. And it's a climate that's very comfortable. And I think as as a lot of parts of the world and the United States are dealing with forest fires and flooding and hurricanes and storms... Maine is a place people are going to want to be. It's also a state that being from here, a lot of Mainers have opinions about people coming into, our, into the state. And there's this from away, from here divide. And that's something that I feel very strongly and have to fight against. The challenge is going to be being really open to other people that we're not used to necessarily seeing in this state. There's a huge opportunity there, but I think it's going to take opening some minds and trying to just welcome, be, be a really welcoming place. That's both a challenge and an opportunity, but I see that as perhaps the biggest biggest hurdle.
1: When you talk about people wanting to come to Maine, on the one hand, we are seeing already what some people are referring to as climate change refugees, but we're also seeing the significant number of refugees in the, the usual way that term is used. People from other countries, coming in, not so much at this point to rural Maine or even up to mid-coast Maine. Do you think that the mind shifts that you're talking about is one that would be different for those two different kinds of groups?
5: I don't think so. I mean, it, it might be just depending on people's different kind of prejudices or biases, but in in reality, the idea of welcoming anyone into this state is really important. I have spent very little time in Portland or Southern Maine. It feels like a different state to me, in part just because of the city that that is bigger. Being able to, that that kind of welcoming spirit that I think exists more in Portland and, and different communities in Southern and Inland Maine, I think we need to embrace that here as well and try to make the resources that make the mid-coast and rural areas really welcoming places to live because right now we just don't have those resources here.
1: So that's one effect of climate change. Are there other effects of climate change that you think are going to impact your life and the life of your families and friends over the next decade or two?
5: There are very immediate effects that that I've noticed just growing up here. That are big impacts such as tick-borne diseases. I, I never worried about ticks growing up. And now I've had Lyme disease several times and everyone I know has too. And so that's it's kind of the invasive species coming into the state, shorter winters and a longer growing season. I know we never used to get a ripe tomato here. and Now I'm still eating tomatoes and it's almost November. Some of the things are positive. It really opens up the agricultural seasons for us, but it's also bringing in a lot more pests and a lot of different diseases into the state. Sea level rise is definitely a huge impact in coastal regions. And that's something I've noticed where I live now in Rockland, they're creating a sea level rise plan because the coastal areas and infrastructure are flooding regularly. The breakwater now floods regularly on a high tide. Municipalities are gonna have to deal with these impacts and that's gonna roll over onto the communities both in terms of how we live our everyday, but also just where tax dollars are going. Those are are kind of going to be the new norm of things that we need to just think about in our daily lives. And the other thing I would say, just in terms of a slightly different challenge, but I think equally important to this mind shift is thinking about trying to change our cultural norms of short term. We're so limited by our own lifespans, but trying to Imagine a world that takes a longer term view of our impacts. I think this is kind of a cultural shift in some ways, trying to think of living in a way that is forward thinking past our own generations. So, thinking about what this world is going to be like for our great, great, great grandchildren and living in a way that is sustainable. I don't have any answers there. (laughs) I think that's a real challenge and and maybe hearkening back to an indigenous view as well. That's definitely something we don't think about so much in our culture, but I think it's very important.
1: Have you noticed that people of your age or your friends have that same idea? Do you see other people thinking about seven generations or however one might want to put it?
5: I want to say yes. I think it really depends. Within certain communities, absolutely. Some of my really like-minded peers will have these conversations, but honestly, I, I have that conversation most with people my parents' age who I think have that hindsight or foresight at this point in their lives. And I I think a lot of people my age aren't thinking about the future so much. We're we're kind of preoccupied with the present just because it seems so chaotic. I really hope I'm wrong. (laughs) I want to believe that there can be a shift. I I also think some of that is tied up in the media, just being so constant and immediate. And we have information at our fingertips anytime. So we don't really have to think about the future because there's just this endless amount of information right in front of us to kind of occupy our minds.
1: One of the things that has occupied the minds of other people we've spoken to on previous programs here in Maine as a big issue is affordable health care. We've spoken to some younger people who have said, well, yeah, I guess it's a real thing, but I'm pretty good right now, so I'm not worried about it too much. What do you think about that?
5: I think I'm in a very privileged position to not have to make that the, the number one priority of something I'm concerned about. I find it more, much more concerning in light of the upcoming election. I'm pretty nervous about that in terms of accessible healthcare and reproductive healthcare. I guess I feel like that's a, that's a problem nationally. And I, I wanna, I think of that as the responsibility of the federal government to make healthcare affordable if Maine can kind of take the lead in some form, I think that's fantastic. I don't think it's necessarily the responsibility of the state. I'm very fortunate. I don't have to worry about that as much as, as I think other people just because of my my health circumstance, but it's incredibly important for the, the younger population to feel secure. It's challenging. I know my health care plan changed like six times in the past year, not because I wanted it to. It just had to. Um, so it's confusing. It's very confusing. And it's, and it's not they, I feel like it's not an easy system. And so if that can change, I think that's fantastic.
1: Have you noticed or, or have you come in contact with people, your peer group or, or others of your age who haven't been able to access health care that they needed?
5: Not people very close to me that I could think of. I've definitely been in touch with a lot of people my age who have just chosen not to get health care because it's expensive. I think that's kind of the norm. I don't wanna be part of the system, it's too much work and it's too it's too expensive. Unfortunately, the choices that I've seen is more like, do you have healthcare or not? It's taking a big risk to not have it, but I do know a number of people who have decided that that's the risk they wanna take right now.
1: In addition to healthcare as an affordable good, a lot of other people are concerned, and I suspect this is probably A big issue down in Rockland as well, of access to housing, affordable housing, a place to live that people can afford. What's your observation about that now and as you look forward in your own circumstances?
5: That's a huge issue here. Two years ago, I was looking for a place to live in. It was horrible. (laughs) I think it's a really big issue. And where I'm now renting in Rockland, we were going to have to move out of this place because the landlords were going to sell it. And the process of looking again, this was about a year ago, there was nothing, there was really no nowhere to go that was remotely affordable. And even just places in general, fortunately, it worked out to, to stay here. That's a really, really big issue. And I know it's a hot topic in Rockland right now with city council trying to create new housing that's affordable. And I think one of the issues around it is actually dealing with a lot of short-term rentals. You can go on Airbnb and find 150 places between Rockland and Camden to rent. You go to look for a long-term rental and there's two. And it's been like that for as long as I've been looking, which has been about 3 years on and off since I moved back to Maine. It's been a real challenge and I think that really needs to change because if we want young people in the state, you need to find a place for them to live and most people aren't in a circumstance to buy land or buy a house with the economy the way it is right now. That's the responsibility of towns to create some sort of zoning system or some incentive for for landlords to rent for long-term periods instead of short-term periods is just not affordable.
1: Are you contemplating or thinking about down the road somewhere buying a house? We've been reading in the paper that a lot of younger people have just said, I don't want to own a house because I don't want to have to take care of it and are just thinking about renting for their foreseeable future. What's your thoughts about that? Are you hoping to be able to find a place of your own that you can buy and settle in? Or are you thinking long-term that's not gonna be a possibility for you and you're just gonna keep doing what you've been doing?
5: I would love to buy a home or a piece of land and build a home. And I wanna hope that that's possible. It's the kind of thing that takes a, a lot of planning for young people these days, it's not it's not something we can take for granted anymore, in part just because of the cost and also because of the lack of land, depending on where you want to be. Growing up on the coast and loving the ocean, I would really struggle. That's kind of a game changer for me in terms of renting versus buying. But if it's possible, I would love to. Right now, I'm totally scared of the idea. I, I want to wait until things kind of settle out. I feel like the past two years have been so volatile in terms of the housing markets. There's just been so much turnover and the prices have gone crazy. I'm happy to watch things play out for the next few years, but that's definitely a goal. I would love to be able to do that. I want to hope that it it can feel accessible to people my age to make roots here.
1: One of the things that has come up several times is people talking about being able to have access to food, either that they've grown or that's from close by. And one of the things that comes up in the middle of that is water because that's essential. We've been fortunate, although we've had droughts in Maine recently, but we've been fortunate compared to California or Arizona to have sufficient water to grow a lot of things, except that now we've discovered that that water might not be so great for growing things with all this PFAS contamination. Is that something that rises to a level of attention for you and those in your circle? Do you think about that? And if so, how?
5: I definitely think about it. And having a garden has been a real desire and kind of priority for me. Where I live now, I have enough to have two very small raised beds, which is great. It's something. But I also have a community garden plot where I work in Rockport, and that's been wonderful. And a real game changer in terms of just being able to grow some of at least some of our own food, and also it's very fortunate that they have water access in it. So that's definitely something that I prioritize. We have the resources, I think, in the mid coast to be able to do that in a lot of places, and it's really improving. I think there are a lot of a lot of community gardens around, and also CSAs. And I've noticed more not your typical CSA that will start in the off seasons and you can sign up for the winter months instead of the summer months, if that's what you want to do. There are an increasing number of resources for people who want to eat more locally. I find that really encouraging. I think there's room to grow for sure. If we can keep that kind of system of deliveries and drop-offs and farms collaborating to create networks for the community, I think it's wonderful. And, and it's something that sort of was born out of COVID. And I think that was a silver lining that a lot of people decided, you know, I want to get my food from here because it's not showing up on the shelves in the store. I also noticed that with fish and protein sources, and I have started to do a lot of my own fishing. That's another way of getting food locally.
1: In whatever work you're doing, Are you imagining that you're going to be able to continue doing that work in Maine, or are you looking for some other sort of longer-term work? A lot of uh, younger people seem to be doing a job or two that's part-time or this time or whatever, and not able to find work, even though there's such a labor shortage, but find work that, as one person said, A, pays well, and B, is something that I'm really happy to be doing. How do you look at the prospects for those two criteria in your future?
5: I feel pretty optimistic about the future in that way. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's, there's a lot of truth to the, the kind of old adage that, that people in Maine work like five different jobs and kind of piece things together. I personally enjoy that style of working a little bit more. I do kind of a variety of things of everything from teaching right now, mostly teaching music and and then running a small nonprofit and performing music. But I have worked on oyster farms and taught high school marine biology and kind of pieced a lot of different things together. I'm more involved in the arts world here and it's an incredibly vibrant world. And one that requires a lot of dedication and passion to get things off the ground. But I think once things are off the ground, there's a lot of support that I've seen at least for our small string quartet with kind of an environmental focus on creating multimedia projects and really trying to communicate science through music and the arts. It's right now definitely a passion project. That's why I work the other jobs so that I can make enough money. There's a lot of support for this kind of work and it just takes time. Maine has a really rich nonprofit community here it's doable. But if you want a traditional job that that gives you benefits and a salary and vacation time and paid leave, it is much more challenging to find that kind of work here as a young person. So I think it really depends what you're interested in and and what you're able to bring in terms of your passion projects and how much you need that to sustain you versus to sustain you intellectually.
1: Maine is the oldest state in the union both of average age and in number of people over 65. But people over 65 are getting older, just as people in their 20s or 30s are getting older. And at some point, they're going to step off the planet. The question then becomes, is the generation behind ready to take up and do whatever needs to be done. Do you think that you and your peer groups are anxious to take over, ready to take over, or would be very happy not to have to take over?
5: (laughs) (laughs) I don't really think we have a choice. The reality of the situation is that we have at times what seems an insurmountable challenge ahead of us globally with climate change and just the, the polarization a division that, that's characterizing not just the U.S., but so many parts of the world right now. Sometimes I feel really cynical, but I, I feel like really we, we don't really have a choice. We just, the choice is, is how we're going to respond. And it's not just our generation that needs to respond, but everybody, all ages. If we want to live in a, in a world that is conducive to living as a species, we, we really have to work together. And it's kind of an all hands on deck situation. My generation, I think, can can often become cynical to the point of being immobilized, just kind of apathetic. And I don't think there's space for that anymore. I don't really think that that's a choice because there's almost too much at stake for that. Whether we're ready or not, we kind of just have to jump right in because there's not really time to sit back and wait. And if we do, we'll really feel the consequences in a pretty negative way. That scares me a lot. I want to hope that we won't go that direction as a As a generation, but also as a community with with everyone involved.
1: Are there other things that we haven't mentioned so far, things that feel large to you as you look forward in your own life and, and among those around you?
5: The other kind of biggest challenge that I see facing, especially my generation and the one below younger than me, is the prevalence of technology. I really struggle here because I don't know what an alternative is the power of of a lot of these large tech companies and social media is so beyond us it's designed to be addictive and it works that scares me as well because the way we use technology now is just putting us into these little boxes we see information that we want to see it's fed to us and we're, we're seeing the perspectives of people who feel similar to us we're not encouraged to talk to people who might think differently or act differently or look differently everything is so isolated into these little boxes that go beyond our control. It's very covert almost. And that is gonna be a really big challenge moving forward. How use technology as a tool, but don't let it dominate our lives and determine our lives. Right now it's determining what we do and how we act as a society. And and I think that's, that's not healthy.
0: What are the primary things that keep you here?
5: Oh, there's so many. I'm definitely a ocean person. But also the, the strength of these communities, I think, is of the rural, rural communities in Maine is so strong. People really depend on each other in a way, which is funny because I think we pride ourselves on, on independence. But people look out for each other. I really admire that. And people work really hard and have a sense of loyalty towards not only each other, but towards this place. There's so much pride in Maine. And sometimes that comes back to bite us, but I think it's a really beautiful thing. Maine feels like home in a way. I've lived a lot of other places and none of them have felt like home in the way that this does. That's it for today's program. The
0: final program in this series will air on Tuesday, December 6th at 4 p.m. Maine, The Way Life Could Be is made possible in part by a grant from the Maine Arts Commission. I'm Amy Brown.
1: And I'm Jim Campbell. Thanks to the participants in today's program, Pepin Middlehauser, Derek Cole, Eileen Moscoso, and Sophie Davis. And thanks to you for listening. And stay tuned to WERU FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, streaming live at WERU.org and on the WERU smartphone app.